Hi everybody, this is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development. It is our honor and privilege to have with us Dr. Betty Sternberg, who is from Central Connecticut State University and the Program Director for the Teacher Leadership Fellowship Program. Welcome, Dr. Betty. Oh, thank you, and thank you for having me. You have a very interesting program that you present. Oh, thank you so much. Your program sounds very exciting, what you're running and, and developing leaders in school. So why don't you tell us about your role in the project? Okay, I will do that. But I, I, I do want to actually stop for one minute and give you a little bit of background about me to, in terms of how I got there. I got, Love this it. is my fourth retirement, if you will, and I am 70 years <laughs> young. I still wow. love creating people who have the agency to exercise leadership, no matter what their role. Um, uh, actually, I was the uh, first commissioner in education, the commissioner of uh, Connecticut, state of Connecticut in 2003. I was the, I was the first um, woman commissioner, not the first commissioner. The first commissioner was back in 1838. So we, but I was the first woman commissioner to serve in that role uh, after spending 26 years in the State Department of Education in various leadership positions. And that was after having gotten a PhD at Stanford University in California. Um, I, uh, um, I, I do want to go that the very first position I ever had in education was in San Jose, California, uh, as a um, math resource specialist in K through eight schools that were funded, uh, that were mostly funded with Title I funds. They were called Chapter One funds back at that time, and it was for children who were disadvantaged. Uh, and actually, back then, San Jose, unlike now, uh, was a place where there were many fields and the kids moved from field to field. Most of our children were uh, of Mexican American background and their parents worked the fields in San Jose. I tell you this because this really is all built up to what I'm doing now, which is probably the greatest thing that, <laughs> that, that I've ever done in education. Um, after, uh, after being commissioner, after being superintendent of schools in Greenwich, Connecticut, and then uh, after becoming a professor for seven years at Central Connecticut State University, I, I've always listened very carefully. And I was listening to basically young women who were um, preparing to be principals or assistant superintendents in our schools throughout Connecticut and in, and in other states. And they would come to me and say, Betty, after being having an internship uh, with this and, and basically shadowing a principal, uh, they'd say, I learned so much, this is gonna help me, but I can't imagine how I will balance, be able to balance my life. I have young children, I have a family, I see what it takes, how in the world did you ever do it? Um, and what, first of all, what I said to them is not easily, the second thing I said was, you think, because they would say to me, so I think I'm going to just teach. And I said, it's not just, it's not about just teaching, that in fact, you can serve if you, as a leader, that in the things that you have been doing, create the situation where people view you as a leader. You don't need the title principal to be seen as a leader. In fact, you might have more influence with your colleagues if they see you as a leader with, with, within their context. 
So um, it made me think quite a bit. And I went to the dean at the time and said, you know, I think I have an idea for a program that would um, work with teachers who want to remain in the classroom, but are interested in exercising leadership functions. And at the time, this was five years ago now, um, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of literature on teacher leaders and teachers as leaders. So um, I am known in the state of Connecticut as a rather small state. They knew me from my from my years as commissioner, uh, in which I was uh, very vocally against our No Child Left Behind uh, legislation. But that's another whole story. Um, and they so I contacted a number of superintendents. And we had a meeting, just a think tank meeting, asking them, one, what were they doing in their school district? And I asked them, by the way, to bring someone with them. I hoped they would bring a teacher with them, but since the tough subject was teacher leadership. But some of them did, some of them didn't, some of them brought their assistant. Um, but at any rate, I asked them, we went around the table, uh, about 20 of them came to the meeting, and at a, there are 169 towns in our state. And the 20 went around the table and we, the question was, what have you been doing to enable teachers as leaders? And what would you like to do and what role could you think the university could have? We went around, by the time we got to the end, one of the, one of the last superintendents said, you know, this was the best thing that could have happened to us in that we haven't ever had an opportunity to sit and talk to each other and find out what we're doing in this wow. area. And it is such an important and crucial area. So I said, all right, so given that you've said that, how would you want to fashion this? And the three things that they said were, we would like you to have a program that helps us enable teachers as leaders since it's been so useful to us, we would like to be sure that that program includes already established leaders, leaders who are enabling teachers to be leaders. And we like this to be viewed as a fellowship where we can really, just like we've done here, interact with each other. Our teachers can interact across districts so we can, so, so we can see what others are doing and what others are thinking. So we, uh, we, we offered, we, we put a two-pager together. Uh, I learned as commissioner only one page for all our legislators because they won't read more than that. But we put together a two-pager on what this program was about. And, and basically it was to enable teachers to exercise their agency as leaders. Uh, and to support support the administrators who support them in doing that. And of the 20 towns, 15 registered interest in doing it and actually paid the, uh, the university a fee to be involved in the program to identify uh, at least three teachers and then at least three administrators who support them. So building level administrators plus a central office administrator. So that's the way the program got started and basically evolved over time much more with what they wanted to see happen than, than what my grand idea, because I could, I, I could give you a pile of PowerPoint with all sorts of specifics, but it was the way the thing evolved 
based on their interests and needs um, that, that actually cre created a rather interesting program. And to give you a little offshoot, to give you an example, um, I never thought about um, the international connection. And here we are speaking, uh, speaking <laughs> internationally. Um, but one of the things that came up in discussions was, of course, what Finland was doing, um, what, uh, uh, what, what other, what Canada, our neighbor, neighbor um, in other words, what countries were doing that appeared to really be enabling teachers and children as individuals, as creative, innovative folks. Um, and so, in fact, one part of this program became on April vacation when our folks had April, but the others didn't. We actually went, I, I had connections with Tony Wagner, who was connected with Posse Solberg right next to him. And we had, so we ended up going to Finland for our April vacation, not their April vacation. And we went into schools and, and we actually saw what was going on in schools. We did right. the same thing in Canada. So that gives you an idea that the thing, and it still is, I would say to you that the program is still an evolving program, particularly now with, uh, with the challenges of COVID. So am I right that it's already been in operation for 11 years? Five years, five years. Five years, five years. Yeah. And so during those five, you, you started with 15. How many are involved right now in the program? Uh, well, that's a really good question. Okay, so this year, of course, with COVID and the um, and the great uh, challenges that folks are having, having, this is the first time. And superintendents wrote me and said, "We love this program; it's terrific, but we're worrying about our but having enough money to open safely, with all the all the requirements that we really have. Our own governor, Connecticut's done." quite a good job compared to other states in the nation uh, with, with, uh, with limiting the, the, uh, uh, the incidence of COVID, but still there's a tremendous amount that has to be done in order to open. So we have seven towns that have this year said, yes, we want to and will be involved. Uh, and we understand it's a different way. It's not the way it's been because the way it was, there were face-to-face meetings. Part of the, what this great strength of this was meeting, and by the way, after school from four to seven o'clock uh, every month, and the people would come. They, had, they weren't paid extra, they weren't, but they were so excited to come. We had 138 folks last year before wow. we started uh, who would come regularly. And um, uh, so unfortunately, of course, that we actually had a, our big event, which in May was always an institute that we ran a full day institute in which the folks in the program gave breakout sessions. After we'd have keynote speakers, there would be 22 breakout sessions run by the folks in our program to share what was going on. And 300 last year before the pandemic, that means really a, year ago uh in a in uh, may we had 308 people from all around connecticut come and be involved over and above the people who are in the program come and listen to the folks in the program for a whole day so the that may institute sadly had to be canceled this may um, but what we are doing is we're running the whole program virtually online 
all the meetings that we would normally have, we're running that. And then our May Institute, which we have said will be May 25th this coming year, 2021, if it's not face-to-face by that time, which I rather guess it'll be, we'll be doing it via Zoom. So that's the story. It sounds like a program that has been, you know, in development all the time Mm -hmm. because you're getting feedback and interaction and seeing what's working. Is there a particular model of either professional development or leadership development that you've focused on using in the program? No, actually, part of the strength of this program, I think, is that we do no one model, that we present various sorts of models, and we do it based on the, the interest of the, of, the, of the folks. So let me give you an example. Um, last year, there were two main areas of interest across the 15 towns. One was project-based learning and how to enable that and leadership that's necessary around that. And the other was social emotional learning. And that was, by the way, prior to COVID happening, where now everybody says social emotional learning because of COVID. But before that, our folks were saying that was of interest. So um, project-based learning, we pulled together examples. There's a there, there are many, look, you can go online. There's so much you can find online. We, we all know that now. Um, there's a whole association of schools that are focused on project-based learning. We brought in folks who are doing it, who are well-known for doing it well from North Carolina, brought them up here. They presented several of the meetings. Um, on social-emotional learning, we happen to have in Connecticut, right at Yale, Mark Brackett, who is the guru, if you will, the main person uh, around social-emotional learning. Mark and I know each other well for various instances. He came, he presented to several meetings and at our institute. So that's what we, we, there is no one model or thing that we present. It all is a result of the, of, of relating to what's the need now, what do people see as the need and the interest right now. Mm. And that's the way it goes. So it's not, I can't, I can't give you, uh, you know, it's not, it's not actually, you see in my 70 years in this, in this profession, I'm, excuse me, I'm 70 years old. It wasn't 70 years in the profession, but actually this September, it's 48 years totally. I started wow. teaching in 1972. That's incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, 1972. And by the way, my parents were teachers in the New York City school system, and they were they were also they became administrators. But uh, so educate. When I say 70 years, education is like in my blood. Because what do you think they were talking about with the kid growing up? It's in the breeding. Uh, right. It's right. Really, it's part of my part of my being. Um, I have come. I would say full circle to understand and, and understand. Well, let me just say this. When I was at the State Department, we did standards-based education. When I was involved, I, I led the people who put together our testing, which, were, which was every other year, not every year, like No Child Left Behind required. Uh, I was in charge of certification and all the assessments that were done, not only for kids, but also for teachers. Um, I was really, uh, let's, say, let's say, inculcated and and agreed with much of that thinking and philosophy. Over the years now, 
and by the way, I have five grandchildren, age two through 10. Um, and my two children, I always, I always listened carefully and looked at what was happening to them. But now I see these kids. It is a very different world from when I started teaching in 1972. Mm. There are some things that the core are abs is absolutely the same. What the most, the biggest core is caring people, caring teachers. And there's research about that. Kids do best with teachers whom they perceive as really caring. People, humans do better and interact with each other best with folks that they perceive as really caring for them. Um, I honestly, th I, I love people. I enjoy, I enjoy supporting folks. I enjoy creating the situation where people can shine and exercise agency. Folks know that about me, and I think that's really why they are interested in being in a program that I might run. Um, but I'm not running it. They, more and more over the years, I understand that what's important is creating the setting, creating the climate, asking the right questions, such that then they know how to ask the questions and they know how to pursue their passions and interests and, and catapult on their own strengths. And that's, that's what wonderful. Think, that's what I think leadership's all about. Dr. Beatty, just in the couple of minutes that we have left, um, for those teachers uh, that are aspiring leaders and they're looking to become a head of department or vice principal, even a principal director, what would be some learning or experiences that you would encourage them to have as they prepare for that next step? Yes, that's a great question. Um, first of all, again, I, I would say, see, I know there are folks who say, um, look, at, look at what you're, where you come up short and learn more about that. I would say that the best leaders I knew are people who understood their own strengths and then were smart about placing people around them who had strengths that complemented their weak, the, the, the individual's weaknesses. So one is know thyself, first of all. Do what you need to do to figure out who you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are. And, and capitalize on your strengths and get people around you who will shore up uh, and fill in your weaknesses. And I'll give you an example, frankly. When I, when I took over the commissionership in 1972, I was in the department for 26 years. My main area was curriculum and instruction, and that's what my PhD is in. Finance? Uh-uh. That was not my area. So I made darn sure that I got the best finance person to work with me. I had to be smart enough to know the right questions to ask to see it, who would be the best and to get other people around me to think about it. But then I got that person and I let that, that person went. I wasn't going to second guess that person because that was not my strength. So mm, I want to So I think that the first thing is that issue of know thyself um, and then capitalize on your strengths and find people around you who, with whom, who are, who, who are your team to work with you, who have the knowledge, skills, and abilities in areas you don't necessarily think you do. Um, so I think that actually, that's the main thing. Um, then of course, I, I do, I, I will say this, that 
it never hurt me at all. And I believe this is the case now more so than ever that we have to think of our education for ourselves and for everyone else as never ending and broad that it, 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 it's not about being an education major. It's really the old um, BA, a Bachelor of Arts, an understanding of every, of the world in, in the broadest sense, a knowledge of great literature and of great art and great, I think that that is what prepares you best to be a strong leader. Um, and that's what I would say, um, you know, by the way, I was a philosophy major at Brandeis University, which is a liberal arts uh, uh, institution. It, it was not put together to, quote unquote, prepare teachers. So I think that's important. I think it's important to be able to. And if you are in a teacher prep or one that's focused, then, then find ways to broaden your world beyond just Wonderful. education. Dr. Betty, thank you very much for giving us your time. I know you're very busy and um, congratulations on making such an incredible impact over a number of years for teachers in education and most importantly for students and learners. So thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you. And I have to say, I was so impressed at looking at what you're putting together and the numbers of people that you have. I, I, I want to watch all the videos of the people whom you've been interviewing because they have a lot, a lot to offer. Oh, and you have been so a great deal across the world. Thank you, Dr. Beattie. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.